Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I'm your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we have it here. It is our uh, 2019-2020 season recap and uh, 2021 season look ahead. We do this annually and we did it with Zach Braziller once again. Coming a little bit earlier than we thought. I think we had all kind of hoped that this would be the uh, the NIT recap week where we'd be talking about St. John's possibly playing, you know, Arkansas or UConn in the first round of the NIT. What would have been a really cool game to see, you know, Mike Anderson coaching against his old team or, you know, St. John's playing UConn right before they come into the Big East. That would have been cool, something like that. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get that. We have no sports, so I hope everyone is staying healthy, uh, staying safe out there, and uh, as we kind of, and it's staying sane as well as we get through these couple of weeks and months probably with, with no sports. But um, yeah, this comes a little bit earlier than, than I thought it would, but it is the 2019-2020 season recap with Zach Braziller, so let's get right into it, and then I'll be back on the other end to uh to wrap this show up hope you guys enjoy all right i'm now joined by the one the only zach braziller of the new york post your resident st john's insider who did a great job once again this season covering not only the red storm but really all local teams now i'm sure the season ended a little bit earlier than he would have liked but here we are and the season's now over zach how are you doing today Does it does it make it worse knowing that as of this recording right now, we're recording around 4 p.m. on Thursday, you would probably be, I don't know what, in Albany with, with Seton Hall, I'm assuming? Yeah. Does that that makes it probably a little bit worse, right? I mean, we could we could be right in the middle of Seton Hall Hofstra. <laughs> yep. It doesn't feel good, no. You know, I, I, kind of, I kind of forget, um, you know, the recording game is going on right now because it's just... It just feels like so long. Yep. Uh huh. You know, since this thing has happened, so you know, then I'll be on Twitter and you know, I'll see someone tweet about it and it'll remind me. God damn. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, I don't. It's weird. It just I don't know, man. It feels so long since we were at the Garden last Thursday and St. John's a great play to half. It, I don't know. It just it feels. It, it, it's funny. Every day just feels like an eternity. No. You know. Uh huh. It's just so bizarre and so surreal. You know, it doesn't, doesn't really show like reality. It feels like we're living in some kind of weird movie. Yeah. Um, no. You know, but yeah, at this time, it's, you know, it could be at, you know, I, I think Paul Hoster. I don't know. <laughs> I was definitely going to go to Albany because Paul don't know, but we're virtual locked yeah. to be there at the top four seats. So I would have been there definitely. Um, let's uh let's go back to to one week ago what was basically what felt like like you mentioned the longest week of our lives uh you were there wednesday night you were there thursday afternoon uh you were there wednesday night when they made the call that they would have limited attendance thursday you were there thursday when the the dominoes just fell one after another uh talk about just how crazy that was what was it like being in the garden for that you know 12 hour period or whatever it was 
you know, let me let me take you back even further to that Tuesday night when Hosford was playing the B8 title game. Uh-huh. You know, I'm at home, I'm at home watching the game. I had, you know, I had all my college stuff done for that night, and I'm watching the game, and I was really, I was really down because I just thought. I, I was reading media reports about what was going on with the virus, and I was just thinking, man, this, this could end up bad. Uh-huh. And then Hostry comes back, and they win the game. It was a great win. It was, you know, I felt so happy for, for all those guys, the coaching staff, the players. I kind of, I know some of the some of that coach staff pretty well. Uh-huh. You know, I was really happy for them, and I, you know, kind of forgot about it for a little while. And then you get to the Big East, and they have their press conference to announce player of the year, and as Sal Ackerman is talking, the NCA announces no fans. <laughs> and that kind of was really the start of it. Yeah. Um, it was, because in the, you know, as soon as she's done, we go and ask her about it, and she's just like, you know, she hadn't even been briefed about it. Uh-huh. She was, you know, uh-huh. on, you know, talking during the press conference, you know, about the awards. And, you know, so it starts there, and yeah, that night was weird because, you know, I, I really had the feeling there was no way they were they were going to have any any conference games the next day. Yeah. Especially, uh-huh. you know, the NBA announces their, their suspension of the season. And, uh-huh. You know, and then St. John's, it was totally because the crowd was pretty good. It started bad. Yeah. But the crowd wasn't bad. Considering a Wednesday night, considering everything goes on, and I think around thirteen or 14,000. Yeah. Uh-huh. The crowd wasn't bad. St. John's had a remarkable comeback. They still had whatever, 23 points in the game. You know, and then the next day we get there, and you know, I'm thinking I'm gonna get an email or a call. Hey, you know, this we're not playing. We're we're canceling our postponing the tournament. Uh-huh. Doesn't come. I get there, and teams are warming up. You know, <laughs> limited fans has it, and then like right before tip, the other leagues start canceling, and they start somehow start the Big East game. I'm, you know, every every time out, I'm like, they're gonna they're gonna pull them off the floor here, right? They're uh-huh. gonna, you know. <laughs> Um, they're gonna kind of take stop the game. They keep playing, and then finally halftime, you you know, I get I get a text from a coach who says, you know, they're done. They're not coming back after the tournament's over. And, yeah. You know, I kind of expected it, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, so go home, write up some stuff, and obviously then the tournament gets canceled, which you know I kind of you know I kind of expected. I because of the report, I just thought a postponement was unrealistic. Yeah. And you look at all these schools are closing. It just it would have been a logistical nightmare, even if somehow miraculously, you know, everything is better in a month. It just, it just didn't seem realistic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was a, Absolutely. Um, on Thursday, you know, like you like you mentioned, they play that first half really to the surprise of everyone. It seemed like they waited a few minutes to tip it. I don't think they tipped till like twelve oh five, and it feels like if they would have waited maybe two or three more minutes, even they wouldn't have even tipped the game. What was what was uh, what's your take on that? Do you think they should have held off or waited a couple more minutes, or were you okay with them going through and playing? And you know, and really playing the whole first half. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, like, it was clearly a bad decision. I don't think there's any doubt, but I think the NCAA football too. I mean, there was, the, the communication between the leagues was terrible. Yeah, there uh-huh. should have been announcements by the NCAA all the week or just we're not playing any conference tournaments right now. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, because now after that, the media, to her credit, after you know the the half basketball communication on the stage, it said what. They had a league-wide meeting of pre-planned ones from 10 a.m. to 12, like the key blocks from the garden. Uh-huh. And they spoke to the NCAA at 10 a.m. 
and they were under no impression that the other leagues were going to cancel <laughs> or, you know, cancel their tournament. Yeah. So they finish up the meeting right before 12, and then all of a sudden they're seeing these reports that, you know, these other leagues are canceling. They, they weren't given a heads up by anyone. Uh-huh. And I've seen reports from other leagues that, you know, they well, everyone did it kind of on their own. It wasn't like the NCAA. The NCAA did a bad job of communicating, you know, what was going on there. And so, look, I, I think the biggies messed up. But I do understand where they're coming from. You know, they they yet to been told by New York City health officials that, you know, large gatherings yeah. were not recommended. Uh-huh. They already cut down fan attendance. They're only, you know, I don't know, they six, seven hundred people at the game at most. Uh-huh. So I, I do understand it. I think it was a mistake, but I think the NCAA should have taken some of the blame for just not communicating nearly well enough between all these power Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now. In terms of the actual games that we saw in the tournament, St. John's plays a game and a half. They have that amazing comeback, as you mentioned. And then, you know, in the half of basketball that we saw against Creighton, they really played well. You know, they, they, they held their stride against Creighton. They led by three at the half. A lot of fans seem to think that we're the Big East champions now, which is kind of funny. But, but I mean, how far do you, do you really think St. John's would have gone? I mean, the path to, to at least Friday night and even maybe the final wasn't crazy, I don't think especially if they would have been playing, you know, Seton Hall or Villanova in that second round game, but they were playing Creighton and they were leading Creighton. How far do you think, if you had to guess, would St. John's have gone in those in that final, you know, half and then the next day maybe? I, I think they would have gone to the semis. Uh-huh. I think you're asking way too much for them to go beat Providence or Butler in their third game in the twenty days with uh-huh. the style they play. But I I love the draw, especially you know, Creighton without Marcus Zegarowski is not you know, a top 10 team in the country. They're no. probably not even the top 25 team. No. He's the engine to that team. He's the reason they, 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 they swept these ball. And, you know, he hurt his knee. He wasn't going to play the biggest corner. As soon as I heard about that, I thought St. John's had a great shot to beat Creighton in that yeah. first round. It's just, Creighton's just not the same kid. And, you know, St. John's matched up well with Creighton. Because Creighton does well, they spread you out. They have tough forwards who are, who are harder to guard for bigs. And the way St. John's started to play with Champagny and Erlington as their two forwards was really perfect for facing a team like Creighton. Yeah. So I really like that matchup. I know Johns had beaten Providence. I know they had played Butler very tough uh, in Queens. Yeah. I just think it was probably asking too much for them to beat one of those teams considering it would have been their third game in as many days. Uh-huh. Now, I don't think they would have gotten blown out. I think they would have been right there. I really like the way this team was playing late in the year. Yeah. But... I think you're probably asking a little too much to win that Friday night game, but hey, look, if someone would have told you the team would have got to fight out of the East tournament and made the NIT, I think you would have signed up for it, and I think that's probably what would have happened. Yeah, uh huh, absolutely, and I, and that was going to be my next question. I mean, year one of Anderson. Now you know they win seventeen games. They go seventeen to fifteen. Like you mentioned, they could have been playing Friday night, and they certainly would have been playing in the NIT if there was one. Um, yeah, that was a lot. yeah. When yeah. They Georgetown, yeah. I thought the NIT was happening anyway. But yeah. When they Georgetown that made the NIT a lot. Uh huh. So I mean, this season in your mind, I I don't think it just met expectations. I really think they exceeded a little bit of expectations. Winning the seventeen games, I know that they finished in ninth in the conference but it feels like just the way that they finished the year they kind of exceeded my expectations just a little bit and what, what do you think about that yeah i i think there's no doubt they, they exceeded expectations i get it they finished ninth. you gotta look at you gotta look at some of the variables there that's, yeah that's the big east has been since it was recreated not even close mm-hmm. if you gave if you gave this if you put this team in the big east the year before 
they probably would have finished top five and one in the league. Yeah. So you got to factor that in as well. And number two, you also have to factor in they they had Butler, they, they had Butler, Seton Hall, Xavier, and George have all feet. Yeah. Uh-huh. All up late in games and they blew. If they win two of those games, you're 19 and 13. <laughs> and you know what? You might even have a chance in that large. <laughs> yep. So, you know, and I get it. You know, you got to play 40 minutes. But to me, this was a very good season for, you know, when you consider the expectation and you consider what was lost. Mm-hmm. You consider Heron missed, you know, most of the league season and wasn't even very good no. playing. Yeah. LJ was up and down. I thought, I thought they started kind of late in the year figure out how to get the most out of him. Yeah. Especially in the tour, in the biggest tournament. So when you consider that, you look at the development of Greg Williams and Erlinson and, you know, Roberts early, I know he tailed off later on. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, obviously Champagne, who I think could be a hell of a, a terrific player. Yeah. Just to be really encouraged. Now, uh, they still need a lot more talent. I, you know, I had to down with Anderson the last regular season. He admitted he needs to upgrade every position. Uh-huh. Now, part of that upgrade is the guys that are bringing in. Part of it is the development of the guys who are there now. And then the other part is, you know, still bringing in more guys. But if you look at how good this league was, and you look at some of the wins this team had, whether it's Marquette, Creighton, West Virginia, Arizona, get me very encouraged. I mean, people thought this was a team on talent-wise might win 12 games. Yeah. Uh-huh. They ended up seeing it, you know... The NIT team didn't have an NIT <laughs> tournament. Yeah. And I, I was just really encouraged um, by by how this season wrapped up. I mean, the fact that this team lost some of the heartbreakers they lost, and, you know, they lost Heron, who was the best offensive player. LJ was up and down, and they still were able to finish as strong as they were. Yeah. Uh-huh. To me, just tells you a lot about Anderson and the, you know, the culture of hard work mm-hmm. and discipline mm-hmm. he created. Let, let's talk about that that culture for a second too. It, it also seemed like the guys on the court of this team. It really felt like you know a family, like a brotherhood, where Anderson was almost the father figure to all of them. And you know, I, I feel like we haven't really seen that with St. John since the 2015 team, where you know the team kind of felt like a family with the father head coach and Lavin. Um, you know, even last year we saw with Mullen's team him saying that they needed a break from each other by the end of the year. It, it seems like that's not something that we've seen very much. From from a St. John's team in the last couple of years. What, what can you say about the culture? It feels like he kind of already put in his culture in, in year one. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it kind of, it always has to be joked upon because you have new, you have new players. But yeah. yeah, I mean, there's uh-huh. no doubt. I, I, I was told by people this staff is the most visible in a long time at St. John. Uh-huh. I'm not just talking about the head coach, I'm talking about the entire staff. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a bad, they, this team had a cute 3.0 grade point average in the first semester. You have two guys, 4.0. I know, it's not winning basketball games. But when you have guys who are making sure to take care of their work in the classroom and doing it at a high level, that kind of speaks to the respect they have for the yeah. school and for the coaching staff. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's all about recruiting and it, it's pretty clear how Anderson recruits. Yeah. He's, he, you know, he establishes relationships. He's a father figure. You know, when, when kids visit, yeah, they do like fancy stuff in the city and go to the garden, but he takes kids to his place in Long Island. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I, I think um, there was like a, one of the guys, what is it, Isaiah Moore, Instagram, like they were all like playing video games and entered out or something, <laughs> like board games or something. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. He's like, yeah, he's a father figure. That's kind of the way he is. And, you know, and look, you also have TJ Cleveland, who's a young 
younger guy, you know, Van Meek is and the male are a little older, but you have Cleveland who's kind of, you know, somewhat younger than those other three. Uh-huh. So he kind of can maybe bond a little better with, with some of the younger guys. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear what Anderson wants to do. Uh-huh. I mean, he's, he's about having a high character player who work really hard, who are resilient, who are disciplined. And you know what? Sometimes in college basketball, that's enough to have a good team. Yeah. When you work, you know, when you work hard and you can play and you defend and you know, and look, we'll see. I mean, it's only one year, but I, I, I'd be encouraged yeah. if I was a St. John's fan. I mean, to me, to me, this was a more enjoyable season to follow than last year. I oh, yeah. He made the tournament, and they had some great wins, but this team just was, was different because you saw the development. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could really see a young core of Erlington, Roberts, who does need to put on weight, uh-huh. no question, but... Erlington, Roberts, William, Champetti, mm-hmm. you, you know, are all guys who you expect to be here for at least the next two years. Mm-hmm. And you could really see a nice young core kind of belt. Of those four guys that you just you just mentioned, Roberts, Erlington, Champagny, Williams, we kind of saw all of them, you know, ha- have their ups and downs this season. But we definitely saw, you know, the the good out of all of them this season. Champagny was obviously the most consistent, I would say. Um, in terms of this season, who impressed you the most? And then going, you know, next season and going forward, who do you see kind of elevating themselves to be that the biggest contributor of those four? You know, next season and the year after. I think you have to go with Jim Kenny for Elliot himself. He's a true freshman who, you know, people thought was was gonna was gonna go to press school. He ended up coming to St. John's and he was great early in the conference. He then struggled early in the conference season, he got benched. Yeah. And he just responded to that so well, better than you really would think fresh a freshman might. Yeah. You know, you also consider the fact that his whole life he's been with twin brother and now he's <laughs> kind of on his own and how he all handled that and developed was so impressive. The thing he loves about him, he doesn't, he can score. But yeah. he doesn't have to score uh-huh. to be a factor. He, he defends, he rebounds, he's smart. You know, I, I'd like to see that three-point shot obviously get better. I'm sure one, you know, if this, this, this pandemic ever ends, that's one thing he's going to work on a lot. And, yeah. you know, I think number two, I would probably give the slight edge to Erlington over Williams. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think it's close because yeah. you got to look at Greg that he, he missed the entire off, you know, entire fall with the back injury. He get the concussion, and you know he's a guy that a kid that really sometimes doesn't necessarily have enough confidence. Uh-huh. If you watch him play, he does all the little things. He's got ton, you know, he has a ton of talent. Yeah, jump shots better than people realize. He's a freak athlete. Uh-huh. The key for him is a full off season, a full fall of practice rest. Uh-huh. Because I think this kid should become one of the better guards with the big heat. Yeah. If he just gets that, you know, he just has that experience underneath him and the top is, look, you saw it. When he hit some threes in the crane game, then you saw, you know, kind of expand to, to, to other games just yeah. how much ability he has. And, and then Erling did, well, I'll, I'll admit, I, I'm, I was stunned by his season. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, one, one comparison a coach made to me, not St. John's coach, another coach made to me was, Roosevelt Jones, the old, you know, he was a yeah. brother, felt like he was there forever. Uh-huh, yeah. you know, he was kind of a, a wings forward who, you know, strong enough to score five, but had some thunder skill. I mean, the early did, you know, I, I'd have to go look. I know, I'm sure the, the, the numbers weren't great overall, but it felt like 
his jump shot really developed yeah. late in the year, and I really could see him developing into a leader. Uh-huh. He's uh-huh. vocal, he's loud, he's a very confident kid, and that's one thing that uh, Mike Anderson had mentioned to me was he wants to see a leader emerge. You know, Tyron was kind of the leader for the team, yeah. and then when he went down, they're really like, you know, LJ is not really his style. I really could see Marcellus kind of becoming that that leader, you know, he, he fit perfectly for Anderson's style because he could, you know, because of how versatile he is and how he could prep. Uh-huh. And, you know, and then we go to Josh, and Josh was great in the non-conference. He had some nice moments in the conference season, but he did struggle when, against bigger guys who kind of could match his athleticism. Yeah. So one thing he, he's got to do, he's got to put on more. I know he's put on more weight off the wrap up, but he's got to put on even more. Uh-huh. But I do see the potential there to be a quality big man in this league. He, he can, you know, he, if you look at some of the brighter moments of the team, it was when she was, you know, protecting the rims. He does present that that option, and I do see he does have, he can rebound the ball. He did get a lot better this year. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. I think he does need to put on some muscle, but I, you know, he's another guy I really think can, can be a factor for the people who mm, Absolutely. Now, we now move into the offseason, like I said, a little bit earlier than I thought we would have, but we're in the offseason. You mentioned, I think, yesterday, um, you know, I think it starts and ends really with LJ, what he's going to do. You mentioned yesterday it's kind of 50-50 up in the air. So I, I won't ask you what you think he's going to do, but if you were advising LJ Figueroa, what would you tell him to do? Would you tell him to go pro or would you tell him to come back? Because you can kind of see, you know, both sides of the coin there. So if, if you were advising LJ, what, what what would you tell him? So I think it's really matter. It's what's important to him. Yeah. You know, is, is making money immediately most important or is getting your degree? Is continuing to learn about life and basketball with his family. I think he likes the family. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Um, and I, I think that's important. You know what? It's not an easy year for him. He, he, was, he had to make major adjustments. He yeah. went from being like the third or fourth option yeah. to being the number one guy. You know, the guy that seems game plan for him. I don't think he struggled with that. Yeah. But I, 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 I also think they, they started to kind of figure out the best ways to use him as the year went on. Uh-huh. And look, I think the one thing people forget about LJ, he led the biggest deal. I think it was at two point, might have been 2.2 a game. Yeah. You know, so everyone says how up and out of year he is. That's true. Well, one part of the reason the team's just good defensively is because LJ was him. I thought, he, you know, he did play well. I like to see him play harder, more consistently. But he was, I'll tell you, everyone talks about early. The effort that LJ gave in that Georgetown game was incredible. Yeah, uh-huh. I remember talk. I talked to one of the St. John's assistants about Texas the night of that game, and he was like, "The that was the effort that we've been looking for from him consistently." Yeah, uh-huh. effort he gave defending in that Georgetown game, especially the last seven or eight minutes. Was uh-huh. You know, but we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I would like him to come back. I think it would be good for the program. I think they could be a borderline tournament team next year if everything goes right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a waiting game. I mean, I do think you're going to see, like, the one thing that's funny, you know, this week, you see a ton of kids enter the transfer portal. Yeah. Where you can very few kind of say, I'm going to enter the draft. Yeah. Or I'm going to attack the water. It's interesting. Uh-huh. And honestly, that's, that's because we don't know what's going on <laughs> with the NBA. We yeah. don't know, are they going to have a draft in August? Uh-huh. You know, if that happens, I think a lot of you're going to feel a lot like, you know, obviously the cut line date will have to be different, but I think you'll see a ton of kids now come back um, early in the 
early. Yeah. Or not come back early, but decide to come back. Uh huh. So, it's uncertain. Know, yeah. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. No, very true. Um, but I mean, in terms of the rest of the roster, I mean, we saw uh, Sears announced that he was going to transfer yesterday. You know, good kid it seemed like, but but doesn't seem like it's going to be a massive loss for this team. But other than that, I mean, the roster turnover, it doesn't look like we're going to have a ton of roster turnover. We know Heron's gone. We know Rutherford's gone. And then we know the four guys coming in. But I mean, do you, do you see any other, you know, big changes for next season? Or is this kind of kind of the roster that we're going with with the four guys coming in? I, I I still expect expect there to be more turnover. Uh-huh. I think McGriff's a kid that could that could eventually leave. Okay. You know, never know. There could be a surprise. We all know how college basketball works. Yeah. I do know if I'm them, I want to bring in a big man. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Robert obviously had major shoulder surgery, so we don't know how, you know how that will affect him. I mean, no off season would clearly hurt him. Yeah. Um, I I don't hate the idea of bringing back beer. Guys were six nine two forty and pounds don't grow on trees. Yeah. Uh-huh. They obviously, his, obviously, his attitude changed and his work ethic changed because they did bring him back on some team weight. Yeah. And so I don't look. They think they can reach him, and they think they can get something out of him. I don't hate keeping him because, like I said, guys that big and talented are, are not a dime the dozen. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. You know, look, this is a kid who went to a bunch of high school. He was at, as you say, for a game, then he left. You know, I think it would be good for the kid. So instead of just jumping up and transferring and going to another school and yeah. lose another year, which I'm sure he doesn't want to do, no. but stick it out here. And, you know, maybe, maybe make some. Because, look, I remember seeing, I remember going to practice early in, in September, and I remember watching him think, man, this kid's going to help him. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's big, he's talented, he's athletic. You know, he just clearly wasn't in shape. There's clearly other stuff going on with him. You know, the three tall just him. Uh-huh. But the kid is big and still. Those guys <laughs> don't throw on trees. Yeah. But I, I would think they need to add a big. Uh-huh. You know, especially the uncertainty that Robinson's shoulder. Here, obviously, you know, it's mystery. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they don't want to just be playing Burlington and Champagne at their two big forward spots all year. I know they're bringing in um, Isaiah Moore. Yeah. 6'10", but, you know, he's three tall. Yeah. Very, uh, yep. He's got two hundred and five pounds. Yeah. You know, he's got a ton of talent. Um, so you have that, and look, he's looking, you know. So you know, uh, that, that's one thing to watch. Um, I know they're gonna sniff around with some of these big grad transfers. Yeah. But, look, yeah. A lot of dudes are. It, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not that easy to, to land these types of kids. Um, you know, you, you bring in Posh, a true point guard who can obviously help. Yeah. The kid that I'm most interested in is Ben Cole. Yeah. He was a preseason Juco American. He put up great numbers. Now, he didn't play in his, 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 league, his league wasn't great. Okay. Now, Moore played in arguably one of the best leagues in the country, and his, he went undefeated. He had a great year. Cole's a little different, but Cole did play very well against some very good team. Okay. But I'm very intrigued, you know, to, to just see him because, look, on paper, at least, he brings some of the things that team really needs when you look at shot making and play making. Okay. He, I think he shot something like 91% from the free throw line. He, he shot over 40% from three. Uh-huh. What he committed to St. John's recruitment was very light. Now, his coach and uh, another, you know, uh, Juco junior college uh, evaluator told me if he, had, if he had waited, you know, he'd have all the high major conferences after him now. It's just the way Juco recruiting is a lot of teams, you know, 
wait till the spring to really recruit you goes and Dion yeah, obviously just had a relationship with my character TJ Cleveland yeah. from their days in Arkansas so we'll see but he's the guy I, I can see starting immediately you know I, I'm not I'm not saying Tosh Willard won't start. I really don't have a feel for that. Uh-huh. I would expect this, especially as LJ is done, I would expect this to start right away. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and I mean, talking about the four guys coming in, it's kind of interesting because it, it seems like all four of them kind of have you know, defined roles already. You know, you mentioned Posh, they need a point guard. You mentioned Cole, they need a shooter. You mentioned Moore, they need a big guy. And and Wusu, you know, could maybe fill that shooting guard role if LJ leaves or if Mustafa leaves. It's, it's kind of interesting, right, that like like all the guys that they're bringing in seem like they could make an impact right away. Yeah, and Wusu was interesting because when he committed, most people thought he was basically just like a throw. Like, yeah, uh-huh. You know, to get Tosh, they had to take him. Uh-huh. And he had a hell of a year. And I thought the coaches would think he's gonna, he might be the, he might be the better college player. I mean, <laughs> time will tell. Yeah. But he's, he's picked for, he's built like an ox, can shoot the ball. Now, one question, you know, one thing I've heard is he kind of struggled to get his, getting his shot off, uh-huh. off the dribble. He kind of reminds me of one of those Xavier kids, you know, like a really good defensive yeah. player who's really tough and can hit shot. Mm-hmm. You know, he might not be a, a superstar, but like a really good four-year player, you know. And and the thing I like about this about about Wusu is he kind of he had to earn everything. You yeah. know? He, he's a kid that was on way, was you know lightly recruited, and you know St. John really liked him. I remember talking to members uh, of the staff who were like, "This kid." This kid's good, and then when I remember reporting back recently about, hey, I heard this kid's having a great year, he's better than people thought, they're like, yeah, I, was, yeah. I remember Dan Nick telling me, yeah, I told you, he's, he's yeah. better than people thought, he's good, he can shoot the ball, he's the guy who can shoot. Uh-huh. So we'll see, I mean, you know, it's always hard to project two calls and even high school guys, yeah. um, so I, I wouldn't make any guarantees, but you know, I expect all four of those guys to contribute, you know, semi-regularly, you know, and look, Anderson likes playing a ton of guys. We saw it this year. Yeah. You know, so the more the merrier. Um, you know, the one, you know, I do think if they could, I think their preference is to bring in two more. Okay. I think they would like to bring in a big and a, and a, and a combo or a point guard. Okay. Um, but they might not have that capability. You yeah. Know, I don't. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna just push someone out who wants to stay. Uh-huh. They may, they may say, hey, you might not play a lot. I give you a definition for me to leave, but I, this is not the kind of staff that's going to tell a kid you have to go. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Based on all conversations I've had. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. I, I do think, I do kind of like the idea of bringing another ball handler just in case Tosh isn't quite ready. Yeah. You know, right now you have, you know, you have Dunn, who's a best, uh, who is really a combo. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I, I, just, I don't like Greg at the one. I no. think he's much better than two. I agree. I think Cole is really the two. So, you know, another ball handler I definitely think would be something like two, but I, I think your your order of priorities would be, would be a big first and a, and a guard second. Mm-hmm. Are, are you hearing anything else about recruiting, you know, for, you know, 2021 or 2022? Any other updates, or is it kind of slow right now? Yeah, you know, they like to, uh, Anderson likes to keep that kind of stuff close to the vest. And yeah. They're going after some kids. They're going after Nick Smith, who's a really good 2022. I know you have Jordan Riley on Long Island, who's a very talented kid. And, yeah. You know, uh-huh. they like him. Um, you also have uh, Kyle Cuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, his, his son, you know, who, who they've been very active with. And, but I hear nothing but good things, I mean, about what coaches feel about about uh, Anderson. Uh-huh. You know, he, he's a worker. 
is honest, is one. And look, and all you have to do is look at look at some of these young guys this year. Yeah. You know, yep. he's given them a chance to play and he's developed them. And that, people care about that. You know what? When you watch what Champagne did, I don't think you'll understand the importance of when you see a local kid not only playing well, but being given an opportunity right away yeah. and kind of allowed to sink or swim with his mistake, that opens people's eyes. That's what people like to see. And, you know, St. John's didn't take advantage of that with Pond nearly enough locally. And no. Maybe they, maybe, and I think, but I think there's a much better chance they can take advantage of it, you know, with, with, um, with how Champagne played. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Zach, uh, I'll get you out of here on this. What do you? Uh, what are some realistic goals for next season? We're about eight minutes out. What, what do you think? Do you think they could be kind of middle of the pack, Big East, like fringe and uh, fringe NCAA? Is that is that reasonable? I would say. Yeah, I don't see why not. I, I mean, look, the league is going to be down. Seton Hall is losing arguably their three best players. Yeah. I expect the DCA from Villanova to go pro. Uh huh. Providence is losing a ton. Uh, Butler, Butler too. Ton. Yep. You know, I think, I think, in my opinion, Villanova, Creighton, Creighton, Villanova, one, two. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it's like, take a, you know, take a wild guess. Uh-huh. UConn won't be um, bad, I think. I, <laughs> no, they won't be, but I don't think they'll be great. Yeah. You know? I think they'll be okay. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. You know, I think they'll be okay. Um, I think, yeah, I, think, I don't think that's out of the question. You know, what, I mean, this year in a terrific Big East, they you know if they won two of those four home games they blew, they're right on the bubble. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. And you know, and that was in a terrific, terrific Big East. Now look, they do lose a little. Uh huh. I, I, I don't think I, I just would like to see this where I go. I, I just don't think John's fans appreciated Nick Rutherford. Yeah. That kid played so hard. I know he was up and down. I know he couldn't really shoot. Yeah. But that kid played just so hard. He gave everything he had. Mm-hmm. Every game. And, and that's another thing. And that's another thing about this. Yeah. I mean, this kid was at Mondes barely playing last year. And they got so much out of him. Yeah. And if you look at all their... I mean, think about all their big runs here. They had a lot of really big runs. Yeah. He was like in the middle of it, everything. Mm-hmm. That... His, they're going to... They're going to miss something. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's no doubt... He really kind of set the tone for the team in some of their better moments with just how hard he played. And I, I remember it was a Seton Hall game, and he had fouled out. And I was, you know, I sit like by the student section, and they kind of like started jeering a little, like, uh, you know, goodbye. And he was like, be nice. I play, I give everything I have. <laughs> and it was, I thought it was funny, and he was right. That yeah. kid played his butt off. And, uh-huh. you know, and Sears, too, you know, just a. Clearly not a big East player. No yeah. Uh huh. But that kid also he played hard. He was a great teammate. Everyone loved him mm-hmm. and gave everything he had. Mm-hmm. And that to me is really when you, when you talk about what you want in your program, you know, unless you're a Kentucky or Duke fan or a Michigan State fan, you're saying all you want is to know that these guys care as much as you that they yes. give everything they have. Uh huh. And to me, that's what you got this year. Yeah. Absolutely. Well. Zach, thank you for the time. I hope uh, I hope we help pass a little bit of time here for you. I'm sure you're a little bit bored at home, like me. But uh, but thank you for coming on, man. We we really appreciate it. Hey, my, my pleasure, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get we, we get sports back. I don't know how much longer people are gonna last. I know. Hopefully, it's not too soon, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be hearing you maybe reporting on some actual games in, in the near future. Hopefully, but we'll see about that. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. All right, have a good one. All right, thank you once again to Mr. Zach Brazilier of the New York Post. 
for coming on there. Uh, he did a great job again this season covering not only the Red Storm, but all the locals, you know, Seton Hall, Rutgers, even Hofstra. Uh, great job by Zach, as always there. We always like to have Zach come on to preview the season and then to recap the season. So I uh, appreciate him giving some good time there. And um, yeah, hopefully, you know, this this podcast could serve as maybe a little bit of a distraction for, for some people who, you know, are cooped up in their house, you know, stuck in their house uh, doing nothing or working from home. And, you know, the, the grim reality of really the world uh, around us, right? right now hopefully this can be maybe you know a, a 30 or 40 minute distraction from all that it's kind of funny we actually uh during the interview with me and zach uh we found out that sean payton has coronavirus now so that's kind of the, the reality of it and and uh you know we we kind of got to suspend reality and forget where the uh where the world was at for a little bit and now it's kind of comes cr- come crashing back to you but uh hopefully you know, this can be a little bit of a distraction for people, uh, whoever may need it out there. And, and we hope everyone's staying healthy. We hope everyone is staying alert, staying smart, not doing anything dumb, not going outside if it's not necessary. You know, all, all the things that they're telling us to do, we hope everyone's listening to them. And hopefully we, you know, not only get sports back soon, but hopefully we can kind of return to, to normal life soon and, and, you know, get normal life back on track. No one really knows when that's going to be. But hopefully it is uh, it is sometime soon and we get this thing this thing figured out and everyone stays safe and stays calm and, and stays smart, uh, like I mentioned before. But thank you all for listening to this show. We will hopefully... I, I got a lot of time on my hands now being stuck at home, so we might be doing a show next week if I can figure out a guest to, uh, to come on. But thank you all for listening, as always. And um, maybe we'll be seeing you next week. But everyone, like I said, stay, stay healthy, stay smart out there. Stay safe. And uh, let's go, Johnny's.